Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Love Talk Radio. It's November 20, 2016. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. We certainly hope that everyone enjoyed a very safe uh, week last week and uh, had a lot of fun in the uh, great weather we've had around here, although it has turned cold. Winter is on our doorstep. Uh, First, let me start by the announcements. Uh, Number one, on Friday, workers at the Jim Bean Distillery, uh, United Food and Commercial Workers, Local Union 111D, won some relief from grueling hours and defeated a two-tier wage scale by going on the first strike in company history. Team working for a living is very proud of their victory. Hundreds of electricians, elevator workers, uh, plumbers, and other skilled trade workers at uh, UCLA and UC San Diego are planning separate one-day strikes this week to demand higher wages. Their contract expires on November 30, and the union has threatened to take strike action if necessary after the expiration uh, Teamsters Local 2010 said in a statement. Uh, Announcement number three, on Monday last week, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, a Republican, vetoed a bill that would have provided unemployment for striking workers in New Jersey. Announcement number four, a Chinese-owned company will be opening a $10.7 million research and development facility in Washtenaw County, Michigan, that is supposed to create 150 jobs. Number five, there's a new overtime law in Indiana. Salaried employees' overtime threshold will be raised from $23,660 to $47,476, meaning that overtime will be paid for salary employees earning less than $47,476 effectively turning them into hourly workers, and they'll get overtime. Announcement number six, the Teamster election uh, is complete, and the results are in. According to Teamsters for a Democratic Union website, Fred Zuckerman received 94,975 votes. Hoffa received 100,924 votes. The members have spoken. Number seven, we are pleased to announce that our team working for a living radio show is now available by podcast on iTunes, another giant step forward. Number eight, in respect for the Thanksgiving holiday in America, working for a living radio show will not air Sunday, November 27, 2016. We had one email. Um, This is from Rudy in Missouri. Uh, what does the team have to say about Stephen K. Bannon being appointed to the cabinet? Uh, well, Rudy, um, I think we're going to cover that a little later in the show. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Bannon is, and I say that lightly, Mr. Bannon is not someone that uh, most people would have expected to be uh, offered a position with high authority like that. Uh, enough said. So. Uh, The next is, uh, uh, let me uh, get to uh, the uh, This Week in Worker News. Before we get to that, uh, I'd like to just have another quote here from Einstein. Uh, It's regarding scope, the broadness of something. Uh, He he says, it's one of his quotes, 
Nature shows us only the tail of the lion. But there is no doubt in my mind that the lion belongs with it, even if he cannot reveal himself to the eye all at once because of his huge dimension. Interesting thought. You can only see the tail, but you know there's a great big lion out there somewhere. So uh, let me bring on uh, David Fillion. Hi, David. How are you doing? How are you doing, Larry? Pretty good. Um, Jeff isn't on just yet. Uh, let me uh, uh, give you the ball there on the uh, uh, your report if you want to start that, and I'll be back in a second if you don't mind. Okay, no problem. All right. Um, yep, got it. I'm um, going to discuss uh, Trump's cabinet um the short list, what we have and, and know so far. Um, CIA director, um, he apparently has been selected as Mike Pompeo, representative of Kansas and a former Army officer. Mr. Pompeo is a member of the House Intelligence Committee and was a sharp critic of Hillary Clinton during the congressional investigation into the... 2012 attack on the American diplomatic compound in Benghazi, Libya. The Attorney General has been selected. It will be Jeff Sessions. Mr. Sessions is a strong proponent of strict immigration enforcement, spending, and tough tough on-crime measures. His nomination for a federal judgeship in 1986 was rejected because of racially charged comments and actions. Um, there will probably be in the future um, some issue um, that he will face during Senate confirmation hearings. National Security Advisor Michael T. Flynn, an Army Lieutenant General and former Director of Defense Intelligence Agency, has been selected. General Flynn has been outspoken about his view of the threat posed by the Islamic militancy and was an ardent supporter of Mr. Trump during his campaign. White House Chief of Staff, Rince Previous. Mr. Trump announced on Sunday that he had chosen Previous, the chairman of the Republican National Committee. Chief Strategist, Stephen K. Brannon, Bannon, excuse me. Also on Sunday, Mr. Trump announced the appointment of Mr. Bannon, a right-wing media executive and the chairman of the president's. Many have denounced this move, warning that Mr. Bannon represents a racist views. Um, I'm quite shocked at this pick myself. Um, Secretary of State John R. Bolton, former United States Ambassador to the United States under George Bush, also in contending Bob Corker, Senator, Tennessee, and Chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Rudolph Giuliani, former New York Mayor, who campaign official said on Tuesday is the leading contender for the job. Nikki Haley, governor of South Carolina. Zalme Kalzad, former United States ambassador to Afghanistan. Stanley McChrystal, former senior military commander in Afghanistan. And Mitt Romney, the 2012 Republican presidential nominee and former governor of Massachusetts. Treasury Secretary Thomas Barack Jr., former chairman, executive chairman of Colony Capital, private equity and real estate investor. Jeb Harsling, representative from Texas and chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. Stephen Muchin, former Goldman Sachs executive and Mr. Trump's campaign finance chairman, Tim Pawlenty, former Minnesota governor, Defense Secretary Tom Cotton, Senator from Arkansas, who saw combat in Iraq and Afghanistan, 
as an Army Infantry Officer, Stephen J. Hadley, National Security Advisor under George W. Bush, Duncan Hunter, Representative from California and Marine Reserve Officer, served in both Iraq and Afghanistan, John Keel, former Senator from Arizona, James N. Mattis, retired Marine Corps General and former Commander of the United States Central Command, the Interior Secretary, Jan Brewer, former Arizona Governor, Robert E. Grady, um, Grafen Investors Partner, Harold G. Hamm, Chief Executive, Continental Resources and Oil and Gas Company, Forrest Lucas, President of Lucas Oil Products, which manufactures automotive lubricants, additives, and greases. And last but least, Sarah Palin, former Alaska Governor, Cultural Secretary, Sam Brabeck, Brownbeck, um, Kansas Governor, Chuck Connor, Chief Executive Officer of the National Council of Farm Cooperatives, Sid Miller, Texas Agriculture Commissioner, Sonny Perdue, former Georgia Governor, Commerce Secretary, Dan D'Amico, former Chief Executive of Nucor Corporation, a steel production company, Louis um, Eisenberg, Private Equity Chief of Granite Capital International Group, Labor Secretary, Victoria A. Lipnick, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and Workforce Policy Council to the House Committee on Education and Workforce. Although um, her name is listed here, it's my understanding that um, uh, Governor Walker from uh, Wisconsin is in contention for the Labor Secretary's position. Uh, Health and Human Services Secretary, Mike Huckabee, former Arkansas presidential candidate, Bobby Jindal, former Louisiana governor who served as secretary of the Louisiana Department of Health and Hospitals, Rick Scott, former Florida governor and former chief executive of a large hospital chain, Energy Secretary James L. Tom Holdington, chief executive of Nautilus Delta Technologies and former environmental advisor to President George W. Bush, Robert E. Grady, Grafen Investors Partner, Harold G. Hamm, Chief Executive of Continental Resources and Oil and Gas Company, Education Secretary, Williamson M. Evers, Education Expert at Hoover Institution, a think tank, um, also this week, um, I read in the newspaper that uh, Betsy DeVos um, may also be on the list for Education Secretary. Here in Michigan, we associate that to privatization of our public schools. Chairman of Veterans Affairs, Jeff Miller, retired chairman of the House Veterans Affairs Committee. Homeland Security, Joe Appeal, departing sheriff of Maricopa County, Arizona, David Clark, Jr., Milwaukee County Sheriff, Rudolph Giuliani, former New York Mayor, Michael McCullough, Representative of Texas and Chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, EPA Administrator, Myron Ebel, Director of the Competitive Enterprise Institute and a prominent climate change skeptic, Robert E. Grady, Grafen Investors Partner, who was involved in drafting the Clean Air Act Amendments of 1990. Jeffrey R. Homestead, lawyer with Bracewell LLP and former Deputy EPA Administrator in the George W. Bush Administration. U.S. Trade Representative Dan D'Amico, former Chief Executive of Nucor Corporation and Steel Production Company and a critic of Chinese trade practices. UN Ambassador Kelly Ayolt, departing senator from New Hampshire and member of the Senate Armed Services Committee, 
Richard Bernal, former spokesman for the United States Ambassador to the United Nations during the George Bush administration. Um, that concludes the short list of uh, possible staff picks. Um, some we know are confirmed, others um, are coming, might be maybe coming on board. Right. So Thanks, thank you, David. That's that's okay. Um, uh, there seem to be three, I believe, problematic people that just seem to jump out. Uh, Bannon, Bannon, the one of them. Email. Yes, Bannon, and of course Walker, uh, and uh, Betsy DeVos. Um, you know, Bannon was on Breitbart. And he became the, I guess, the editor there and uh, turned it into uh, something that it wasn't necessarily, that it wasn't before he got it. Uh, it changed into pretty uh, um, pretty much a racist organization. Uh, a lot of uh, inflammatory articles, I'm told. So uh, the... Uh, uh, thought that he's now the chief strategist is uh, a little problematic, wouldn't you say? Um, not just a little bit. Um, yeah. I despise the guy. So. Right. Yeah, he's, I mean, you, you can't be, uh, you know, such a, a one-sided person if you're going to be leading our country. You know, I, I had the opportunity to speak at my township meeting uh, last Tuesday. And one of the things I said, you know, I guess it was 2010. I'm paraphrasing what I said, that a young man, a young attorney that I was mentoring asked me, what's wrong with our country? And I said, you know, all the statesmen are gone. There, There are none left. And, you know, here in our township, we're, we're blessed with some states, men and women, and that, you know, oftentimes we have vigorous debate and sometimes run against one another, and that happened in two instances with very good, uh, you know, elected officials that uh, found primary opposition against them uh, and by good, good people. Uh, also good people. Uh, and sometimes you choose a side, sometimes you don't. But in the end, you, as states people, and men and women, you put that behind yourself and um, move forward in a collegial way. Uh, and then I said, you know, the uh, candidates who won and are going to now continue to represent us and the candidates who are incoming, uh, need to act as states people and reach out across the spectrum of our community, represent each person, and provide for their need. And I got to tell you, I don't see that in this administration, reaching out and representing each person in the spectrum of our United States. When you're putting people in that are quite obviously racist in everything they've said and done in the last 18 months on another venue. I mean, this guy's a, a you know, a writer. Uh, I don't know how a writer gets to be chief strategist, especially a writer with such inflammatory background. Uh, so we're, we're waiting to see. Uh, You know, Elizabeth Warren came on and spoke. I saw some of her uh, video, uh, I guess most of it, and she basically said, you know, you you dupe the people. You dupe the people. You said you're going to represent all the workers in America, and you're putting people in or considering people that are really not so friendly to labor, working men and women. And that's not a good thing. You simply did not tell the truth. So I guess we're going to see, especially in the case of this Bannon, uh, that's sort of bad. Uh, Regarding Walker, do you have any comment on Walker, David? Um, 
Buster Walker is no friend of labor at all. Um, he's a right-to-work advocate, and uh, he's no better than we have here in Michigan and Governor Snyder, and probably worse. Mm-hmm. Didn't they get right to work under him as a governor? They did. In Wisconsin? There's a lot about King Trump's will- willingness to give give uh, deference to working men and women, though, doesn't it? What did you say about Bob King? Go ahead. Um, I took a trip to uh, Wisconsin to hear Bob King speak there. Um, he gave a fiery speech um, denouncing uh, Mr. Walker. Um, at the same time that he was in Wisconsin um, giving the speech, we were conducting the uh, recall of Rick Snyder here in Michigan. Um, a lot of us were angered that he took a trip to Wisconsin to make such a fiery speech there and was very silent here in his own backyard where he faced um, tremendous issues with Governor Snyder and ended up accumulating into um, our state becoming a right-to-work state as well. Um we saw no support from Bob King. However, he traveled across the lake to to support um, Wisconsin workers. Um, I appreciate that he did that, but I'm disappointed that he left us holding the bag here in Michigan. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, so we have failed union leadership in that regard as well. Uh, of course, Absolutely. they have the uh, constant constitutional convention that uh, Bob King called for uh, when he was president of the UAW uh, and uh, got that on the uh, ballot here in Michigan as a referendum vote uh, to place it in the Constitution that um, the uh, uh, unions would always be uh, closed shop. And he did that in the face of 57% of the citizens that were polled in the state of Michigan supported right to work because they had not been educated as to what it was. Once it passed, those same people said, what? But they hadn't been educated. But he did that with 57% against him. Of course, he energized billionaires like the Koch brothers and the DeVos family who came in and uh, uh, put money on the table. I'm not so sure that that was kosher, but it's my understanding and opinion that there was a check placed on the table that I'll use it against anybody in the primary, in the next primary, who votes against me on this issue. Uh, so um, that's that's a real sad thing that happened because when you have billionaires on one side and people holding a billion dollars on the other side that are really incapable of understanding how to use it properly uh, or even a portion of it properly in order to educate the public, then we wound up here in Michigan with right to work. Had we not done that and they, had they taken on that issue we could have claimed, hey, you know, look at them picking on us, and we'd have had a lot better opportunity to defend our position from a minority position rather than go out and think we're the big dog on the porch, which we weren't and still aren't, uh, to go and uh, have this uh, ass-whooping that we took on right to work here in the state of Michigan, all because Bob King, the former president of the UAW, making that an issue. It's sad, very, very sad. Uh, you know, uh, I mentioned the DeVos family. Uh, what do you think about, uh, you know, you have more comment on Betsy DeVos? Um, when I think of Betsy DeVos, I think of uh, privatization of our public schools here in Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. Our schools have been under attack ever since Governor Snyder took office. Um mm-hmm. Here in my own school district, 
Um, head count went down. Um, funding for our schools went down. We've closed two elementary schools and com condensed into the buildings that we have left. And that's the bonus be the icing on the cake for the closing of our school district and the privatization of our district. That's mm -hmm. my opinion. And many other school districts. So not pretty. Uh, a little more background on her. Uh, she's the wife of founder of the Amway Corporation, uh, DeVos, and uh, of course there's the Van Andel family that's also, uh, he was a founder of the uh, Amway Corporation as well. Both families are billionaires. Um, the uh, DeVos family has been very active in Republican politics. Betsy DeVos has been chair of the Michigan Republican Party uh, and has directed a lot of things to go the way that you've been seeing them here in Michigan with the schools, with Right to Work. She had a hand in that uh, as well. And now she's being considered, according to a newspaper article, that uh, she would be considered to be the Education Secretary of the United States of America. I see real problems with that when it comes to, and we had Ellen on our show some time ago talking about the problems with privatization of schools and, and the deplorable conditions of some of the public schools, mostly by and large because of the funding that has been withheld and restrained and constricted, much like wages for union workers have and other workers in the United States of America and around the world. So uh, those three people seem to be very, very problematic in the Trump cabinet. I can't speak uh, firsthand on too many of the others. Obviously, we know who and what Sarah Palin is. Uh, you know, so I guess maybe she's still looking at Russia from her back porch over there, and, and uh, her and Putin and Trump have got together and having a good party up there in Alaska. So. Um, also, I'm not sure. Uh, also, that's a drunken ball for all they had at a party <laughs> with one of her daughter's former boyfriend's family. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those headlines in the paper the next day were quite a joke. So I yeah. can't even imagine that he would consider her. But he may well. You know, I'm, yeah, we we don't know. Uh, we're just sitting back watching, and the uh, oh. you know it's uh, real real problematic. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in this this Trump administration, uh, Trump elect administration. Uh, so yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Make for some good um, SNL skits. <laughs> yeah, Saturday Night Live is going to have fun with it, aren't they? Um, they already so, are. Yeah. Jeff's been working hard uh, on behalf of the team for several days. It might have caught up with him, and he might have just crashed on us. Or I hope he's okay and didn't have any other, you know, automobile issues or anything like that. But he's uh, not in the in the switchboard tonight. I want to thank everybody that is in the switchboard this evening, and we appreciate your uh, coming on, listening to the show in the switchboard a lot. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, I think I'll just touch on Jeff's report real real quick for everyone uh, and uh, tell you that Jeff was given uh, the opportunity and he took it uh, uh, from when we voted on it. It was his turn uh, to make the next uh, announcement of the next plank and to discuss it a little bit. So uh, I'll just give you what Jeff was going to talk about a little bit. Our second plank for a team working for a living caucus uh, deals with abiding by the Bill of Rights for Union Members. This is found in the Landrum-Griffin Act, I believe, 1958, depending on which document you read, could be 59. Uh, and 
Uh, essentially, it says the union members have the right to nominate candidates for office, vote in union elections or referendums, attend union meetings, participate in union meetings, and vote on union business, examine union accounts and records, bring suit against union officers as necessary to protect union funds. And those are six of the highlights of the Bill of Rights of Union Members, and that's uh, all-inclusive, uh, depending on who you talk to. But that's uh, in a meme that has been made up as the Bill of Rights for Union Members. Uh, having uh, said that, uh, we know of at least two cases where uh, members have asked to examine union accounts and records in the name of the International Executive Board Minutes. And in both cases, they've been stonewalled uh, and uh, not necessarily given direct access to those. That's, that's problematic uh, that people not be given access to something that they're entitled to by federal law. Uh, there is, we're aware of, the team is aware of the idea that uh, there's an, uh, there are union, local unions within the UAW that do not allow members voice or vote at the general membership meeting held m monthly. And uh, as a team, we have uh, committed to changing those within 30 days of taking or ascending to office because clearly the current administration is not allowing that to occur. So uh, with that said, uh, David, do you have any more on the abiding by the Bill of Rights of us union members? I do. Um, today, as a matter of a fact, I saw a union member um, complaining that uh, another another union brother was um, criticizing um, the actions um, of elected officials in our union. Also under the Bill of Rights is the right to criticize your elected officials when you feel that they have not done a good job for you. You have that right under the law. And no union member should tell another union member to sit down and be quiet when they have that right. So that's all I have to say about that, Leroy. Right. Uh, it was uh, reported on one of the, uh, the uh, pages this week that someone was angered that the microphone at one of the conventions, the constitutional conventions, was turned off when a brother was speaking and he had energized the audience. They just simply turned off his microphone, ordered it to be turned off, and he had lost any and all respect uh, for the current administration once that occurred. Uh, so that people know uh, this is a democracy. Our union is supposed to be a democracy. It's well uh, set out in the preamble of our great UAW constitution that we are to abide by democratic principles. There's eight of them. I won't go into which one, you know, name all of them at this time, but um, they're, they're out there. Uh, the Constitution only refers to them. Um, the chairman of any committee, primary job is to maintain order. Maintain order. That's the primary job of a chairman. Chairman isn't there to censor anybody in a democratic meeting at all. Not supposed to censor anyone at a convention. 
And, of course, they lost respect from people that were at that convention. Even though they had been supporters of the administrative caucus, they still lost respect. So uh, anything else, David, on that? Nope. Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, the administrative caucus uh, it's come to our attention on Team Working for a Living has been uh, putting out there, uh, at least it's our opinion that it's being put out by them, because uh, it's coming from some of their folk. Uh, they are stating that the Warren Davis versus the UAW case precludes people over the age of 65 from being elected to the International Executive Board or an executive office. The Warren Davis case cites as its superintending federal law, Federal Labor Management Reporting and Disclosure Act, LMRDA, 29 U.S.C., 481 through 483. <clears throat> and this uh, law uh, addresses the election specifically at convention. It says a number of things. It does address local union elections as well. Uh, so um, the uh, uh, so those sightings that he put out there, uh, I'll touch on a few of them. A is the officers of national or international labor organizations in the manner of election. B are the officers of local labor organizations in the manner of election, spelled out. C, requests for distribution of campaign literature, civil action for enforcement, jurisdiction, inspection of membership lists, adequate safeguards to ensure fair election. Uh, it says, goes on to say in part, that uh, it shall be the duty enforceable by suit of any bona fide candidate for office in such labor organization in the District Court of the United States in which such labor organization maintains its principal office. I know we're getting detailed tonight, but that's just the nature of this beast that's going on this week. Um, the principal office to comply with reasonable requests of any candidate to distribute by mail or otherwise at the candidate's expense campaign literature in aid of such person's candidacy to all members in good standing of such labor organization and to refrain from discrimination in favor or against any candidate with respect to use of lists of members. Uh, it then goes on to speak about the officers of intermediate body, bodies, manner of election, nomination of candidates, eligibility, notice for election, voting rights, counting and publication of results, the election of officers of delegates in the manner for conducting uh, convention, preservation of records, and this is uh, F under one, uh, 481, and uh, this uh, states that when officers are chosen by a convention of delegates selected by secret ballot at the convention shall be conducted in accordance with the Constitution and bylaws of the labor organization, attention, shall be conducted in accordance with the Constitution and bylaws of the labor, or, the labor organization insofar as they are not inconsistent with the provisions of this subchapter. The officials designated in the Constitution and bylaws or the secretary, or if no other is designated, shall prevert, preserve for one year the credentials of the delegates and all minutes and other records of the convention pertaining to the election of officers. That's important. It says that this constitutional convention delegate system shall be done in accordance with the Constitution and bylaws. G, under this, says the use of dues, assessment, and similar level levies, funds of employer for promotion of candidacy of person. Let me go and read this one for you a little bit. <clears throat> no money uh, received by any 
labor organization by way of dues, assessment, or similar levy, and no monies of an employer shall be contributed or applied to promote the candidacy of any person in any election subject to the provisions of this subchapter. Such monies of a labor organization may be utilized for notices, factual statements of, of issues not involving candidate, candidates or other expenses necessary for the, holding, for the holding of the election. And then it goes into the removal of officers uh, guilty of serious misconduct if the secretary, meaning the labor secretary, upon application of any member of a labor organization finds after hearing in accordance with subchapter two of chapter five of, of title five that the constitution and bylaws of such labor organization do not provide adequate procedure for a removal of an elected officer guilty of serious misconduct, such officer may re be removed for cause and shown after notice and hearing by the members in good standing voting in a secret ballot conducted by the officers of such labor organization in accordance with its constitution and bylaws insofar as that they're not con inconsistent with the provisions of this subchapter. Um, and then they have the rules for determining adequacy of removal procedures uh, and this is how the secretary would do that. Um, and uh, then it goes on to say in uh, 19 years and elected, as an elected member of the governing board of the UAW. After deciding to run for Congress in 2002, Davis announced his intention to vacate his office in the UAW and endorsed his assistant director for his soon-to-be vacant position. The election for office, for which Davis' assistant was the sole candidate, was held at the UAW's Constitutional Convention in June of 2002. Due to an appearance Last-minute change of heart, however, Davis arranged for his assistant to nominate Davis and then withdraw from the race himself, resulting in Davis winning the election unopposed. New paragraph. During his many years of service with the UAW, Davis had been part of an unofficial caucus of politically powerful members who adhered to an informal agreement not to seek elected office after reaching the age of 65. Angered by Davis' surprise, informal agreement, right? Uh, and we'll get to that in just a second. Angered by Davis' surprise tactics at the convention and his acceptance for of an elected position at the age of 67, several members of the unofficial caucus issued a press release calling for the calling upon the UAW convention delegates to eliminate Davis' position or Davis uh, to eliminate Davis's region. I'm sorry, UA, to, uh, calling upon the UAW convention delegates to eliminate Davis region. Redistribute the members among the three other regions and hold new elections. The proposal was adopted by UAW Constitutional Convention, which promptly dissolved Davis region the day after his re-election. Okay, so they, they held in the facts that Davis was elected and that he was uh, the uh, convention uh, dissolved Davis region the day after his re-election. Okay, uh, going further onto this, and we'll get into more some more discussion with this. Uh, Davis state law claims for age discrimination, conspiracy, wrongful termination, retaliation. He was retaliation. He was asking for money. Thus, the argument that he was not terminated for cause, 
course, the Constitution does provide for combining of regions, and that may be done at any time, as was with the Warren Davis case. On the matter, uh, the appellate court, the Sixth Circuit Federal Appeals Court, held that Davis claims for age discrimination, conspiracy, wrongful termination, and retaliation should therefore be dismissed by the district courts for lack of subject matter jurisdiction. There I are breaking up. Okay. Again, Davis claims for age discrimination, conspiracy, wrongful termination, and retaliation should be should therefore be dismissed by district court for lack of subject matter jurisdiction. Again, lack of subject matter jurisdiction was their ruling. Nothing to do with his age. Not one thing. On his state law claims for libel and slander, none of which challenged his ability to be elected by the Constitution, but rather his inability to be elected after age 65 because he was a member of a powerful caucus now known to be the Ruther Caucus. And to recap a little bit, um, uh, the federal law says that officials elected by the Constitution must be in accordance uh, with, by, elected by convention, must be in accordance with the Constitution and bylaws. The UAW Constitution, this is by recap now, this is no longer the, the uh, court decision, I'm just recapping. The UAW Constitution does not have any age limitations whatsoever. The Ruther Caucus does have an age limitation of 65 years of age. The court never said Davis could not be elected or that he was not elected, but rather stated he was not due money because of Lack of subject matter jurisdiction. Nothing to do with his age. Working for a living does not have an age limitation and is in conformance with the UAW Constitution. Again, working for a living caucus does not have any age limitations as other caucuses may or may not have and is in conformance with the UAW Constitution. E, no member of Working for a Living is, is in any way in agreement with or beholding to the Ruther Caucus age limitation of 65 years of age. That was confirmed by team call at our last team call uh, conference call. That no one is beholding to the Ruther Caucus. At least we forget. Yeah, in any way. Least we forget, the United States of America just elected Donald Trump, a man that is currently 70 years of age. Also, the last five presidents, of the last five presidents, four served eight-year terms, or two terms of four years for eight years. So the probability is great that Trump will serve as president of the United States until age 78. Now, uh, I just got to tell you that uh, that's uh, something that has changed over the years. The Ruther Caucus came up with that that age restriction by Walter Ruther sometime in the uh, early 50s. Obviously, uh, in modern times, those age restrictions are quite simply no longer uh, uh, cogent or uh, pertinent because people are living longer and they're functioning at high levels later into life. Uh, the, again, uh, the law says that you will abide by the Constitution. Uh, now, uh, before starting all of this as founding member uh, and going through many uh, uh, gyrations and getting to where we are today uh, I set out and asked a trusted knowledgeable colleague by the name of Dick Dangin 
what are the, the rules on on um, running uh, for office uh, over the age of 65? And it wasn't clear to either of us at that time. So I went in and wrapped myself around the Constitution of UAW, and uh, uh, we uh, talked about it a bit. I wrote up a report, and the UAW Constitution says that uh, as I'm a retiree, okay, it says retired members, and it's mute on the issue of age, but retired members have the same rights as any other member. They're right. You're uh, fading yes. away again. Breaking up again? I'm, yep. I'm not sure what's going on with this phone, man. So, uh, can you hear me now? No. Not doing well. I don't know what's going on with this phone, man. I'm not, not sure. That's all the way up. Uh, we're going to use a new microphone uh, system. So there you go. Is that better now? Okay. You're, you're back. Uh, so, thank you. Uh, the Constitution says that a retiree may not vote to start or stop. A, uh, uh, a strike, so those are two items, uh, may not uh, run for or vote for uh, any union office that deals with local union grievances, local union grievances. That means a retiree may not run for the local union bargaining committee, recluded from that. May not vote currently to uh, ratify an agreement. And those are the five things. May not vote to start a strike, may not vote to stop a strike, may not vote for anyone handling local union uh, grievances, may not run for any office handling local union grievances, and lastly, may not vote currently for the uh, ratification of a uh, any contract. Those are five things, none of which preclude a retiree or anyone over the age of 65 from running for executive board member or executive office of the executive board of the UAW. And now, brothers and sisters, up on high, especially, we all know what the law is and what the Constitution says. I see uh, our, our hardworking friend has joined us. Let me bring on our, our good friend here. I'm sorry, I got the wrong one. Uh, uh, let me bring on our good friend here uh, and co-host, Jeff Brown. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Hi, Leroy. Hello, everyone. Hi, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're happy to hear you hear you in here. Yeah, uh, we so, we kind of covered your, your your report a little earlier. We didn't want to not get it out there. We didn't know if you were going to make it. We know you've been working real hard for the team uh, for the last few days, and uh, sometimes that just catches up with us now and then. So uh, we're happy to have you here on the show this evening. And uh, um, uh, I'll ask you uh, uh, if you have any comments. I mean. Uh, uh, David covered the, uh, as you know, uh, through our notes uh, in our call, David covered the uh, uh, Trump uh, cabinet appointments. Do you have any comment? Uh, I mean, we, we talked at, large, at, at length on uh, Walker, the governor from Wisconsin, and for Bannon, the uh, strate- chief strategist, and Betsy DeVos. We covered them pretty well. Uh, but you may have some questions more comment on those or any other appointment. Uh, one of the email, or the only email we had was from uh, Rudy in Missouri about the Bannon appointment. So, uh, Do you have any comment on that, Jeff? Um, I'm very disappointed in every candidate that he's considering appointing to his cabinet. Uh, they're all anti-worker. Um, they all they're just not nice people. Matter of fact, um, you've got um, Jeff Sessions being considered for Attorney General. 
people might remember back 30 years ago that Jeff was denied a federal judgeship because of his uh, racist positions. Um, He's got his family he wants to appoint, family members. Uh, I think the country can be in terrible shape. Um, I'm sorry if I offend anybody by that way, but that's my opinion. Um, you know, everybody else is uh, entirely their opinion, but my opinion is he he is he's not not there. Uh, I don't like any of this people he's uh, considering. So that's how I feel about it, Leroy. Okay, I would I would encourage all uh, listeners of the show, union or non-union, uh, and we know we got a lot of you out there, and we know that not all of you are, are, are union, but we appreciate you listening to the show as well. But Elizabeth Warren, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh, went I think Friday, Thursday or Friday, uh, on the uh, Senate floor and spoke to the uh, issue of the appointments, the cabinet appointments that we're seeing coming out of the Trump administration. I encourage everybody listening to hunt that video, that YouTube video down. If we can find it again, if I can find it again, uh, we'll uh, get it posted on our Working for a Living page. And, of course, we always encourage you to join our Working for a Living Facebook page because a lot of this is on our page that we discuss here. Uh, so... Uh, you know, and then we uh, just, you know, give it some more emphasis here on the show and some of uh, what our team is doing is here on the show. And, of course, we do it, you know, privately in our call as well, discuss lots of things. Uh, so, and that's, you know, we do a call before the show to make sure that uh, what we present to you, the listeners, is the best that we can possibly do every week. Uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, but uh, having said that, uh, if you uh, want to just join our Facebook page, we'll try and find that YouTube video and put it on there of Elizabeth Warren. It really has a lot of merit and talks to how the, I mentioned it earlier, how that Trump seems to have duped the, the working public in our country because everybody he's considered or nominated already is uh, pretty much against working men and women. And they, I mean, you heard what I had to say at my township meeting. And that that flies in the face of all of that, you know. Uh, you, as a leader, you have to reach across the whole spectrum of who you represent, and make sure you represent each one and provide for their needs the best of your ability. And that's what we're here about on teamwork and for living. That's what every elected official in our country ought to be doing. So, uh, to follow up with Jeff's uh, comment, there, we'll just reiterate: get a chance, check out that video. We'll try and get it on our page as well if we can find it again. So, um, Jeff, uh, uh, also, uh, you, uh, we, we covered your uh, second plank. Uh, we'll give you another uh, chance of doing the third plank. <laughs> I, I, I went out of turn when you, you had a moment there. Uh, but uh, do you have anything to add on the, the second plank uh, that you might have prepared? I just... You don't know what we said, but it, you know pretty much mm-hmm. what we talked about during the call. So, the second plank is something that every dues paying member in any union has a right to, and um, it's kind of like our bill of rights as country. Uh, you have a voice in your local meetings. You participate. Uh, Participate in union business. Um, you can bring suit against union officials as necessary to, to protect union funds, and that is a big, big, big issue. Um, you can nominate candidates. Uh, and this is what people need to know, it, and this is their right, and use their right. We are going to give. Working for a living, 
is going to put the power back into the membership's hands, as our UAW Constitution says. Um, we're going to make some changes, and it's all good, all good changes for the membership. Um, so please, please, do your thing. Go, go to meetings. Um, get involved. I know I haven't been in meetings for a while, but my book picture gets up too high. <laughs> Just going on here. But anyway, still, these are your rights. Use them, okay? Nobody can deny you anything. Yeah. Um, we'll be talking more about this in weeks to come. But uh, just go ahead, people. Educate yourself. We are behind you. You are not behind us. We are behind you, the people, the members, the dues-paying members, retirees, everybody across the board. We're about helping you out. That's all I got, Leroy. Okay, thank you on that uh, Bill of Rights report. Uh, Follow-up on that. Uh, we appreciate that very much, uh, Jeff. So, And we know you've been working very hard uh, for Team Working for a Living Caucus this past uh, week, and we appreciate it. All of us appreciate it. Everybody has mentioned it. So thank you uh, for all the hard work yeah. you're doing with regard to that. Uh, and I know sometimes it just catches up with you. I've been doing a lot of campaigning all week, keeping up with team steers and everything. So yeah. I thank the listeners for okay. waiting for me. I don't know if you heard my – go ahead. Is that David jumping in? What's that? David, did you have something you want – did you have something? No, no. I just said Oh, okay. That I, didn't, I didn't know if you were um, trying – I thought I heard you maybe trying to – Say something. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, so, absolutely, is what I said. Um, in regards oh, okay. to um, this hard work. Yeah, his and yours. You know, I mean, you know, other members as well. I mean, we really, all of us appreciate all the work that we're all doing here. So it's, it's, it's. Uh, you know, this is not a dictatorship or an autocratic organization, our caucus, and we uh, work together and uh, support one another in every regard as best as we can. So uh, uh, it is uh, two minutes after eight. We do like to keep it at an hour. Um, so how about if uh, uh, I ask David, do you have anything else to add to tonight's show? No, I don't. Okay. Jeff, do you have anything else to add to this evening's show? No. I want to apologize for coming in late. Um, that's fine. I won't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> life happens, you know, brother. We're just happy yeah. to have you here. So I haven't said that. I don't have anything else to add. I'll, uh, I'll uh, wrap up our show in a good way this evening. And I'll just say, you know, if you found that this show was, has value for you, tell just one more person about it. And this show has just grown by leaps and bounds and, uh, we're really happy that the uh, listeners are growing, and we appreciate you very, very much. Uh, if you choose to talk to us or uh, uh, by email, you can do that or send us an email at workingforaliving at workingforaliving dot com. The again, the address is workingforaliving at workingforaliving dot com. Just the way it sounds. No G's, four is a number. Uh, please follow us on Blog Talk Radio. We appreciate if you do that. Again, we're on iTunes now, so just go to iTunes, go to Working for a Living. You'll see the whole list of shows from when we started back in April. I think it was April 3rd, and uh, you'll see that. And, of course, Jeff and I have been on another show previous to that uh, and did a lot of hard work for that show as well, and we really appreciate uh, all the people that work hard on that show. Um, uh uh, so, having said that, let's give a hearty shout out to all our friends in Brook Park, Ohio, Flat Rock, Michigan, Tonawanda, New York, Lordstown, Ohio, Flint, Michigan, Pontiac, Detroit, Bedford, Indiana, Lansing, Toledo, Chicago, Kansas City, Fairfax, Kansas, St. Louis, Wentzville, Arlington, Chattanooga, Doraville, Santa Cruz, California, and 
everyone listening around the country and the world, especially our friends in Mexico and Canada. Have a great night and stay safe and enjoy the next week. Uh, Remember, we're not going to be on next Sunday because of the Thanksgiving holiday here in America. Canada has a different one, but uh, we're going to pay tribute to the one here where we actually live. Not to be, you know, dismissing the Canadian Thanksgiving. They have a wonderful day up there early in October. Uh, So I want to say good night to all the listeners, to each and every one of you, and good night, David, and good night, Jeff. Have a good night, buddy. Good night, Jeff. Good night, everybody. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.